everybody. Jimmy Smith here on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano this weekend. The biggest fight in women's boxing history. Is it make or break for the women's side of the sport? Also, I sit down with Fight Hub TV's Marcos Viegas to talk about Taylor versus Serrano and the latest in boxing news. Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. Uh, one loss between them. They are the best female boxers of all time, you could argue, and certainly the best two to ever face one another. KLB, we're going to play a fun game. Are you ready? Ready. Favorite female boxer? Favorite female bo- Ann Wolf was a beast back in the day. I can name sure. you a couple. Yeah, I've yeah. Seen, but, I, but I'm going to name you probably right. the ones that most people can. So Ann Wolf, Christy Martin... Layla Clarissa Ali, Shields, Clarissa yeah. Shields, uh, Heather Hardy, and then it's Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor, basically. But I think I just named you all of the biggest names of women's boxing. All the biggest names, right? But here's the issue. If I couldn't name you two marquee fights for each one of those women. I called Heather Hardy's fights when I was in Bellator. Right? I, you know, I, I remember Layla Ali back in the day. I didn't really follow her very much. She fought, fought a lot of cans, let's be honest. Um... When you look, Clarissa Shields. All right, great. I know the boxer, Clarissa Shields. There was no Ali Frazier. There was no great fight. You could argue for any of these women. You like them and you like the performance or whatever it is, but that big, this is the fight you can't miss in women's boxing. Have we ever seen it before? They, I know they tried it with Heather Hardy a while ago. Like, it kind of proves your point. I forgot who she fought. Yes, but I know they right. did a big women's card, like top to bottom, and then they made a big deal out of it and they promoted it. But I don't think it necessarily went anywhere. But I did kind of giggle when you said we didn't really have that Ali Frazier. I'm pretty sure they tried to do, or did an Ali, a Layla Ali versus Frazier's daughter or niece, something along those lines. And didn't work out. Like Another didn't novelty out, act right? of trying to do that. Yeah. Right, but we're beyond novelty acts in a world of combat sports, where due to the internet. Due to social media, we are a very educated fan base. And what I mean by that is, like, I'm a college wrestling dork. I love, you know, I always watch the NCAAs. I follow college wrestling, all stuff, Olympic wrestling. And before the internet, that was really hard to do. There was a USA Wrestling newsletter that would go out. And if you subscribe to it, you get all the stuff. It was really hard to follow amateur wrestling. Then the internet. Now I can get on Flow Wrestling and watch... You know, high school nationals, you can keep track of the best prospects, like high school football, they have that for high school wrestling, all this stuff. I can watch every NCAA match, you know, Penn State versus Iowa, I can sit there and watch all of it. So, as a fan base, we're getting more and more educated. As a result, as you're saying, KOB, that novelty, well, you know, got to throw them against somebody, all right, we need that Frazier name versus the Ali name, forget the fact that Frazier's daughter was not a very good boxer, forget all those things. We're beyond that. The fan base itself is too educated for that to work. So when I look at it that way, uh, this is the biggest of the big. Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano is Ali Frazier for women's boxing. There isn't any other way to say it. Now, is that a good thing? I think so. I would love to see combat sports expand in in any direction, meaning women's boxing, hey, I hope it gets big. I hope they make a ton of money. 
I hope there's just more for everybody to to watch and appreciate. Kate, let me start with Katie Taylor. 20 and 0. Only six wins by knockout, which isn't that weird. Right? That weight class and women's boxing, you don't see a lot of knockouts. But her amateur career is gold, 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 all the way down the page. Olympic gold medalist in uh, 2012 for Ireland. The World Championships, she won gold 2006, 2008, 2010, 2012, 2014. European Games, gold 2015. European Championships, gold 2005, 2006, 2007, et cetera, et cetera. She's one of the most decorated amateurs uh, in, in amateur boxing history. She is fantastic. Her pro career, by boxing standards, kind of just getting started because unlike MMA, you can be 20-0 and 0 and fight, fight nothing but cans. It's just the way it works. So Amanda Serrano, her opponent, 44 professional fights, 42 wins, 30 knockouts, one loss, one draw. That is a real pro record. If you retire and your record is 42-1-1, one and one, you are an outstanding boxer, regardless of gender, regardless of weight class, regardless of era, anything. That is insane. Her last loss was 10 years ago. 10 years ago. She's that good. And Heather Hardy, that may have been what you were talking about, the, the, the boxing match with Heather Hardy a couple years ago, defeated Heather Hardy by unanimous decision. So this is a collision. Of two of the, the the best to ever do it, by the way, the the best female box female boxers ever. Now she does have an MMA record as well, three zero and one, undefeated in mixed martial arts as well. It's absolute insanity how big this fight is, and really how big it would be if if they weren't both women. This would be you know the the, the everybody be talking about this. Now a lot of people are talking about it. It's getting a lot of press. That is all the upside here. You have Eddie Hearn on the uh, Katie Taylor side. You have uh, Jake Paul on the Amanda Serrano side. We'll play an interview with both of them later on in the show. A lot of people actually call and asked about it. So anyway, this idea that if it falls through and it doesn't deliver, and I don't mean the fight itself, you never know, but I mean... Uh, pay-per-view buys and asses in seats and all this stuff. If it doesn't deliver, where does women's boxing go? Because it can't get any bigger than this. This is huge. This is everything. So there are a lot of positives with this, but there's also a lot of, I hate using this term, but potential failure. All your eggs are in this basket. If this doesn't work, it's been promoted to hell. Um, uh, The idea that this could be a watershed for women's boxing or it could be a gigantic disappointment in women's boxing. Now, as I said, you'll hear from Eddie Hearn. One of the things he said and what I have heard reading about this is it looks like we're going to get a sold-out Madison Square Garden. It looks like the ticket sales are there. It looks like it's been prom- promoted extremely well. Jake Paul, bro, if you're listening, that's not sarcastic. That is not bullshit. You'll hear the interview himself, him talking about it. He's done a great job promoting this. I do not respect him as a professional boxer yet. If he beats a professional boxer, I might. Okay, which he hasn't yet. But as a promoter, the proof is in the pudding. This fight is big. A million-dollar bet with Eddie Hearn over the winner. 
backing his girl as he's supposed to. But this idea that it may or may not work, and if it doesn't work, might be the death knell of women's boxing because it can't get bigger than this. It can't. So, Ariel Hawani, see how this crosses over? See how this crosses over? Ariel Hawani just tweeted uh, about, obviously, it looks like the, the this is the weigh-in press conference. Kelly Kell, give me a little background. This is the this is the weigh-in of the press conference? I can't really, It looks like the weigh-in, but I it can't really It looks like tell. the weigh-in because I believe yeah. the press conference was yesterday, and I believe yeah. this is from today. Yeah, I think this is from today, but I'm not sure. Anyway, Bianca Belair, that's right, Raw Women's Champion uh, with her belt is on stage. And Becky Lynch, the person she took the belt from at WrestleMania, they're both on stage. Awesome. Cross-promote like crazy. Do everything you can, and they're doing it very, very well. And I call these ladies every Monday, and they are huge. Absolutely huge. Oh, KOB, that is very, very, I don't want to say racist, but that's very, like, to assume. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell everybody what we just typed. Go ahead. Tell everybody. I said I'm looking. I'm kind of guessing that Becky Lynch is, uh, you know, Team Katie Taylor. Wow, because they're both Irish, right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Listen, do the Irish never support, like, ever not stop supporting their own? Like, they always, they're, they are really on the bandwagon with each other. Super loyal. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. She probably is. And then I don't know if, if uh, Bianca Belair is Team Serrano, but hey, maybe. Cool stuff. But the promotion's huge to get stars that big, and they are both stars in the WWE. So, great stuff. Are you, KOB, as a fan, are you kind of like, have a Darwin attitude about it? Like, if it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it. If people don't want it. What are you going to do about it? Like, I would like to see them do well, but I'm not emotionally invested in it. How do you feel about it? It's weird, because I feel like over the last few years, and this is something we've been talking about even last week before we went into three main events with uh, three MMA events with three women headliners. It kind of feels like every other combat sport is starting to make the run. Like women's MMA has been coming on for some time, especially Huge. since Ronda Rousey yeah. and all that. Like it's, it's become like a very accepted thing in sports. We see even, even the women of pro wrestling doing the same thing. They're headlining cards. They're, they're headlining WrestleMania. Stars, yep. As we saw, there are even Becky, uh, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch were at this weigh-in. Like, women's boxing has always trailed behind the other two. And it's one of the reasons why we saw people like Holly Holm coming over. Why, you know, even Heather Hardy uh, dabbled a little bit with MMA at Bellator. It's because the money was better because it's just more accepted by male fans. Women's boxing has just never been able to find never the been. groove. And with this fight, it looks like they've done everything right. You have – this isn't a novelty act. Like you said, you read off their resume. These are two high-level boxers in the arguably the biggest women's fight of all time. The promotion has been on point. Like Very Jake good. Cole's done a great yes. job. Eddie Hearn has been done a great job. I've been seeing them doing interviews and, pro, and hyping this fight for weeks. Everything seems to be there. So my fear is that if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to. Because I don't think you can get much bigger than where we're at right now. The proof is in the proverbial pudding here. Why? When you look at, for example, the Katie Taylor side, which I think is, 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 is quite telling. When you look at the Katie Taylor side, she is 20-0. and 0. She was a decorated amateur, meaning an Olympic gold medalist. She started out at a higher level than the vast majority of people she's fighting. She's just, you know, if ugh, I'm waiting for a joke from, from Kelly, but if you saw Oscar De La Hoya when he started out after winning gold in 92, he was just better than everybody. Roy Jones Jr., after uh, getting robbed in 1988, 
crickets. Nobody here remembers that. I remember it. He got robbed in 88. And his first, God, 20 pro fights, he's murking, murking fools. Knockout, 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 knockout. Now he's just better. Oscar De La Hoya, as, as I said, a great amateur, great example. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, first 20 were like just jokes. He was lapping guys, his first 20 fights. Katie Taylor, 20-0, no one's beaten her. Six knockouts. Six. Kelby, you did not watch the... Uh, you did, Kel. You watched the rest of the card for um, Tyson Fury, yeah? Because you and I were, were, like, joking about how bad it was. Yeah, it was really bad. The welterweights, whose names I don't even remember, fought right before Tyson Fury. Remember that fight? No. Well, yeah, right. but... Yes, right. <laughs> Nothing important about it. I remember... Uh, Timothy Bradley saying the problem with this dude is he doesn't hit hard enough. Whoever, I, I literally forget who it was, but winner of that fight won by decision, and they were saying, ah, oh, he has 17 fights, but he only has eight knockouts. And he has more than Katie Taylor, and they were going, oh, this guy just can't hit hard enough. He's never going to make it in the United States. The welterweights are too big. They're too powerful. They're too good. If you can't give him a reason to back off, you're not going to outbox these guys. They're not, and that was somebody with a higher knockout percentage than Katie Taylor. And I don't know if you remember this, Kelly, but Timothy Bradley was, like, raking this dude's punching power. Like, gosh, he just doesn't hit hard enough. My welterweights in, in America are too strong. He's not... And Katie Taylor's had 20 fights, six knockouts. So you get what I am saying. You know what I'm saying, Kel, about oh, why isn't women's boxing bigger? When you, you have 20 fights, you've won all of them, you started out, Hotter, you know, meaning a decorated amateur. So you're starting out better. Those first 20 should be 18, 19 knockouts. And just women's boxing doesn't have it. Do you think that's what's holding them back, Kelly Kell? I mean, I think so. It's just bizarre, though, because like KOB was saying, you see women's main events in MMA all the time now. You see it all the time in WWE. And you we just see don't great really see it. That's the difference. We, we do. Last one we saw, you know, we, we've seen some great finishes in women's MMA. But it's I still, I don't know. Point. I still think you could have great fights that don't need to have great finishes necessarily if the people involved are exciting enough. So it's just weird that boxing's so behind. But I'm really excited for this main event. I, I am too. I really am. But I think in a, in a very general way, uh, what holds back women's boxing is the lack of knockouts. It's just, if... And we were discussing this uh, on our show a little while back about w women's MMA. And one of the things we said was that the fact that Ronda Rousey finished so many people in dramatic fashion early in fights sparked people's interest in the sport. We had this absolute killer who could fold your arm the wrong way in under a minute. Boom. And it made people go, oh, man, this is exciting. This is something different. If those first three or four fights from Ronda Rousey had been boring-ass decisions, we might never have gotten anywhere in women's mixed martial arts. I really believe it, it could have been, you know, oh, well, just, they don't have it. And I think that in boxing, I think, slightly holds it back. That would be my theory at this point. Uh, KOB, your thoughts? I think there is something to that as well, yeah. but I also think boxing has really done a bad job of like putting some exposure on women's boxing. Like, yeah, one of the reasons why I think it, it catches on in both pro wrestling and MMA is that they share the card. 
with the men. Like maybe maybe even if it's mm. not like the yeah. number one fight on the card, like we're gonna see like next week, it's gonna be Gaethje and Oliveira, Komei, Nama Yunus, and and Esparza. Like put them in a co-main spot on a big Canelo fight and get eyeballs on some on some of these women fighters. Like I think that there's a part of that. I just don't think that they share the card enough with the men where the most yeah. exposure is going to be. So you can get some eyeballs on some of your uh, and start building up some women stars that people get interested in. Let me expand on that even a little further. Uh, answer this honestly, Kelly Kell. Is there such thing as women's MMA fans? I mean, I wouldn't say there's just men's MMA fans either. Right, an MMA fan. Exactly, because we don't really see a division there. Like it's like, right. oh, you're an MMA fan. Yeah, we just it wouldn't occur. If you're, oh, I'm a women's MMA fan. I'd go what. You're right, either an MMA right. fan or you're not. Like we, we don't have that separation in our heads. There is a separation in women's boxing that is really severe. There's no such thing as sports entertainment, WWE. I'm a women's wrestling fan. Uh, there's what is this glow? Like there's no separate. Yeah, I'm old. I remember glow. There's no <laughs> watched it on TV. I did when I was a kid. Loved it. The original. So there is no separate. Women's pro wrestling. They compete. WrestleMania had Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. It also had, you know, Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar. There's no difference. They have mixed tag team matches, right? They can do stuff um, that, you know, obviously we can't do in, in, in legitimate combat sports. So they can have a lot of fun with China getting in there and throwing around a dude. There was no difference. And to your point, Kilby, I think this what, what this has created is a difference. They're seen as different, almost different sports. It's almost like, you know, I, I, I can't ever think. The only thing I think of is gymnastics, where people tend to watch women's gymnastics and not really care about men's gymnastics. Yeah. Or, you know, the women's soccer team is so good. I was going like, say the same thing, yeah. But, but, all right, Kel, this is a great example. Kelly, you're a soccer fan. Yes. You acknowledge that the women's team is infinitely better than the men's team, but do you watch both? Yes. Is it just soccer to you? Yeah. Yeah, I watch both. Yeah. It's, it's not... Oh, yeah, I don't know about women's soccer. No, in fact, they're if any so way around, like I don't watch the men because they suck, right? Yeah, right. which but, which I get, but there's no d- d- separation, and boxing has created a division. It's almost like a separate sport. Yeah, it's 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 that separation. Yeah. It's like I said, it's like one of the reasons why I think the other women's sports in MMA and bo- is, is again because they share the card, they share the limelight, they're on major fights. Like even when you look at like Tyson Fury, Dillian White, like you just said, like there's two welterweights on there who you can't even name. I had to look it up and I still don't know Garbage. who these guys are. Yeah, yeah not a good so fight. So yeah. the the idea that like oh we can't put women on, like no one cares. It's like well you're already doing that in boxing. Like it's, the last few years, there was a time where they used to have at least like a good main and maybe a, a solid co-main, like maybe in the lighter weights, especially if it was a, a heavier weight main event. That you had put some welterweight stars on there or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. You could be doing that with with the women too, because like with the, with the current model of boxing, it's really just all about the main event, and no one cares about the undercard anymore. So if that's the case, put some major things behind it. Get like keep that promotion muscle going, and put a, a, a top notch women's fight, and try to start building things up. I think that's the only way. Like this fight that we're gonna have this weekend. Great start. Like maybe it finally yeah. gets the eyeballs and people start paying attention. But you need to build off that. If you just do this once. It's it's just never gonna pick up. You have to start sharing the card and putting them on a on a big Canelo card or on a big you know, T- Terence Crawford, Errol Spence. Whenever we get yeah. throw yeah, a yeah. women's card, yeah. throw a women's fight on the on the co-main and just get keep the momentum moving. Tyson Fury, his brother, was earlier on in the card. He looked terrible. Tommy Fury looked terrible. Like, are right, you saying two, you know, excellent women with real amateur backgrounds wouldn't look better? 
They would. They would. Tommy Fury looked awful. He won, but he looked terrible. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. One of my favorites, Marcos Viegas from Fight Hub TV to talk boxing. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How's it going, my man? Doing well, man. Doing well. I cannot wait to talk to you about this one because uh, it's been on our radar for a long time. I had Jake Paul on. I had Eddie Hearn on. I had both boxers on, uh, Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor. Do you agree that this is the biggest fight? Steve Farhood called it yesterday, the biggest fight in women's boxing history. Do you agree? Yeah, I would say so in the terms of uh, how they've marketed and the amount of buzz and given the, the age that we live in right now. Um, you know, if, if a fight like this were to happen maybe 10, 15 years ago, I don't think it would have gotten the same uh, buzz as it's getting now. And, and not to say, you know, some of Layla Ali's fights, um, you know, if they were to happen now, I, I feel would have been uh, just as big. But I, I think for the time that we're in and given the profileration of, uh, social media, yeah, definitely. It, it, it's the biggest to date, uh, though I think there'll probably be bigger ones on the horizon still. So your thoughts on this promotion? We've talked about this on air today, that this has promote, been promoted very, very well by Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn. What have they done right? What has been the secret sauce for these two guys? Um, You know, that that's actually that's a, it's a good question. Uh, me looking at it from the outside – in um you know they, they've and and you know sometimes i kind of do scratch my head too with some of the decisions they made because like one um i, I feel that they've been marketing this fight uh, towards a more casual sports fan base which is good uh, i feel because you got to appeal uh to a bigger audience outside your niche but they've also tried to appeal to the mma fans and maybe jimmy you could kind of piggyback on this or, or, or just yeah. give me your thoughts I don't know if MMA fans care about this boxing fight or other boxing fights. I think the really huge ones, yeah, but I've noticed they've made a real concentrated effort um, through the MMA media to kind of promote this fight. And I just kind of scratch my head and, and think, do MMA fans care about Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano? Let, let's, let's discuss it, why don't we? I got to ask uh, what, what, what might be a painful question. I know it's a painful question to me. How old are you, Marcos? 38. All right. See, okay. So we're all right. I'm 45, a little bit older than you. But in my day, growing up, if you were a combat sports fan, you're a boxing fan. So I didn't get into MMA because MMA didn't exist till I was in high school. So I grew up a boxing fan and then became an MMA fan. But I never left my boxing roots. I still love boxing. I love a big fight. The era I grew up in is over. Where people now are sometimes MMA fans have no real love for boxing. It's not really their thing and da-da-da. So I'm of an era where you had to be a boxing fan if you were a combat sports fan. That might be gone now. And your modern MMA fan might not have the reverence for boxing that I do. That being said, I'm getting a lot of buzz about this fight. How much of it is MMA fans? I'm not sure. But I got to agree that they seem to be targeting quote-unquote fight fans, right, with all this crossover between boxing and, and MMA and all this stuff, that it's becoming this big 
bucket of fight fans. And I think Jake Paul and, and uh, Eddie Hearn have done, done a good job of targeting that market. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I I think that's good. I agree with that. Like, I, I'm an overall fight fan. I, I like a good fight, and I like to think that's how people in, in boxing are and people in MMA are. But, you know, given that I, I run, a, you know, one of the biggest YouTube channels in the world for combat sports, I've seen uh, the division in the fans at times over, over stuff. Um, is there a crossover? Yeah, I think there is. There definitely is a, a, a huge crossover between those fans. And I'm in the same uh, wheelhouse as you, Jimmy. Like, I, I'm a, a fight fan. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it remains to be seen. But I, I think, you know, overall the promotion of the fight is, yeah, they, they've tried to appeal to a, a bigger audience outside of boxing, uh, even appealing to the pro wrestling audience, bringing in the, the two pro wrestlers that they, they brought in today at the weigh-in. So, you know, kudos to them because they're they're doing stuff that normally around boxing promotions they don't do. And I, I always felt that's the one thing that boxing was lacking was a, a really a cohesive and robust marketing plan to market these fights. Speaking of Marcos Viegas from Fight Hub TV, what do you see as the tactical difference getting the weeds of this fight? Katie Taylor, a fantastic amateur. I don't care male, female, I don't care what your gender is. A fantastic amateur, gold medalist in 2012 for Ireland, uh, who made the transition to, to her professional career, only 20 fights in. Serrano, a much more experienced pro. Looking at the tactics, what do you think the difference is in this fight? You know, it's... The thing is, it's, I think defense is going to play a big part in this because, you know, the last few fights that Katie's uh, had, she hasn't looked like the dominant Katie uh, that we saw maybe three, four years ago when she was on the rise up, given, you know, these opponents have been a lot tougher, and, and this is the toughest opponent of her career. Look, man, Amanda Serrano is like a nonstop action fighter. She's going to come in and throw a ton of punches. She's going to take a few, but she overwhelms people. Uh, and I think that's really going to be an interesting thing to see is, is how is that going to play out and how is Katie going to uh, uh, adjust to Amanda Serrano coming forward and just throwing punches on punches on punches on her. What is to you the transition for, from a, a successful amateur to a successful professional? We've seen, once again, I'm a little older than you, I've seen a million great amateurs never make great professionals. I've seen certain amateurs crush it in the professional ranks. What's the difference to you, to the fighters that, that make the proper adjustment from the amateur ranks to the pro ranks? What do they do right? Hmm. That, that's a good, that's a dang, man. You keep, keep laying them on me, Jimmy. That's, that's what I do, question, bro. bro. I ask good questions. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. It, it, it could be little subtle things uh, like, you know, the ability to transition from an amateur style, which is, is a lot of like touch, 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 move out, uh, move in, move out, touch, touch. To like actually seeing on your punches and having intention on your punches, but it's also a lot to do with the mindset of of the athlete as well and, and what they are um, as a fighter. Usually, you know, the ones that do really well uh, at the amateur elite level do transition over to have really great uh, pro careers. Now, obviously, you know, just because you were a great amateur uh, and even if you were a gold medalist, it doesn't mean that you're infallible or, or you're going to be the best ever. You know, Vasily Lomachenko, two-time gold medalist, has lost fights. Guillermo Rigondeaux, gold medalist, has lost fights, quitting fights. Uh, so I think it's up to the individual, but there are certain things there um, that you, you think like, wow, like this guy has the goods uh, or female, this girl has the goods. It's more of an eye test, but I think adapting more to the pro style where you're coming in with the purpose 
and the whole purpose of a fight is to hurt your opponent and not try to like outpoint them. Uh, speaking, of course, to Marcos Vegas from Fight Hub TV. Let's talk about the boxing world in general. Tyson Fury, of course, successful last weekend by knockout over Dillian White. What were your thoughts on 94,000 people at Wembley out to support that guy? Does it show the overall strength of boxing or the overall strength of Tyson Fury? Uh, I, I, you know, it, it's weird. There's so many like different dynamics in boxing, like, Boxing is considered a major sport in the UK, in England. It's, it's like football, a.k.a. soccer, then boxing and cricket. You know, they're, they're all within the same thing, the same wheelhouse. Not wheelhouse, but in the same level. You know, it, it's a major, major sport over there. Um, the 94,000, that, that, you know, that's a big testament to who Tyson Fury is, the type of figure that he's evolved to, um, and, and just the right – type of marketing behind him also uh by coming over here to have fights as well to grow his overall brand and i think it all came together uh with that fight over uh at wembley with ninety four thousand. uh could he have gone over here and got that same amount probably not you know the majority of his fan base is over there in the uk but i think it does show that boxing as a whole on the world stage is in a very healthy place you know you want to see events like that throughout the world so you, you that shows you that that it's a viable business that there's a, a rabid fan base that's uh, going and supporting not only that uh, fight, but other events. Uh, when you look at it, he's clearly the best heavyweight of his era, let's say of the past decade. Post Klitschko, he's the guy. He's best heavyweight of his era. Where do you think he goes all time? 31 professional fights. Uh, most fighters that we look at in the top 10 all time had much more substantial records. He's fought a lot more. Where do you put him all time? Do you think it's too early, too early to say that? Yeah, way too early just because of what you said. You know, if, if you really look at his resume, who's on his resume that, that really sticks out? Klitschko, honestly. Yeah. You know, now it, it's a, a preference of opinion how highly you rate Deontay Wilder, but Deontay Wilder is, is not a great boxer tremendous puncher but it wasn't a great boxer so like how, how much stock do you put on that win you know fury says he uh, wilder is still the second best everywhere in the world and he beats everybody uh remains to be seen but you know the, the two biggest names on his resume are klitschko and wilder so i think it is a bit premature to start having that conversation also given the fact that you never know with tyson fury he'll say one thing and then like the next minute he says another thing that's completely look he said he was retired and then within the same like 10 seconds, he says he's going to go and fight Francis Ngannou, you know? So I, he's in his prime right now. I, I think it's too early uh, to say that. Um, you could start answering him in that conversation if he has the fights with Joshua or Usyk, or if he beats both. If he beats both Usyk and Joshua, then I think there's merit there. Then you could start having the conversation of him maybe being the greatest British heavyweight of all time. But if you start stacking him as the greatest heavyweight of all time, I think you're going to meet a lot of resistance but to be honest jimmy like dude this guy's like 6'9 275 okay all these other heavyweights up until now they, they would have been dwarfed by size they would have had so much trouble trying to cut the distance with them i like honestly thinking like the only guys of the last maybe 10 15 years that could have maybe um given fury some trouble lennox lewis uh, maybe a riddick bro yep. uh bow uh vander holyfield my, maybe maybe but Lennox is maybe the only guy in a prime, in prime, both, both Klitschko's because of their size. But everyone else, he, he would have been way too big for them. I, I don't see how 
they would have been competitive with Fury. And that's going to be very controversial because people are going to say, like, Marcos, no way. How is Fury going to beat an Ali? How is Fury uh, going to beat a Joe Frazier, a George Foreman, you know? But look, dude, this, this guy's unnaturally big, freakishly athletic for someone who's 6'9", 275. And if you saw with the Dillian White fight, he had trouble cutting the distance. That would have been every other opponent uh, from these prior eras' biggest problem in, in a fantasy match with Tyson Fury. Uh, very interesting that you talk about his, his kind of strange athleticism, right? He's kind of thick, he's tall, he's strange build, and yet he's able to pack power in his punches. Uh, France Ngannou, of course, the guy who got brought into the ring with him, they're talking about some kind of moder- you know, modified rules striking match. How much appetite is there in the boxing world for that kind of fight? I don't think there's much appetite from boxing fans like in the know. Look, we've seen this before. We've seen this with Floyd and, and Connor, you know? So, and it's like apples to orange, and you even know this too, Jimmy. You know, you, you competed. Yeah. Like, if Fury were to step inside a cage, he'd get completely obliterated. Demolished. Killed. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. You know, and, and vice versa. You know, for, the, the only allure there, which is an allure for me too, is, and, and, you know, it sounds cliche, but I think this is the most true for heavyweights because one punch can really end everything with yeah. the heavyweights. We know Ngannou packs freaking dynamite in his punches. And if they do something with four-ounce gloves, okay, now, now it's a little interesting. I still think Ngannou is going to get smashed, but it makes an industry because if he lands one punch on Tyson, let's see how he takes that punch because of how big of a puncher Ngannou is. Uh, speaking, of course, to Marcos Viegas, Fight Hub TV, all-around uh, combat sports, great mind, but we're picking his brain about boxing Errol Spence Jr., let's go down the, the, the scale a little bit to Errol Spence Jr. Uh, versus Ordinas Yugas, of course, winning by TKO. Had some difficulties in that match. Uh, what did you think about his comeback? How sharp did you expect him to look versus how sharp he did look? What, what did you see in that fight? Man, you know, honestly, I was surprised. Uh, he beat the stuffing out of Ugas, and, and like, yeah. I didn't expect him to just beat the other utter, just utter stuffing out of him like that. Like, I, I thought he would... The volume was going to give him, uh, give Ugas a problem. And I felt the longer the fight went, the momentum was going to start building towards Errol Spence, where Ugas probably wouldn't be able to keep up with the amount of, of volume this dude has. But Ugas was only competitive for like two rounds, and then like Spence took over. So I was impressed. Like that's the best I think we've seen Errol Spence. But with that said, he still got caught with some big punches that I think. If Terrence Crawford catches him with, Crawford ain't going to let him off the hook. And that made me think, like, hmm, this Crawford fight, dude, regardless of how Spence looks, Crawford is more than a live dog in that fight. And by some accounts, people will put Terrence Crawford as the favorite. They'll be in the minority just given because Spence is the bigger guy that throws more. But, you know, some of those punches that Ugas landed, uh, I could see Crawford landing on him, and I'm like, dude, if Crawford lands those punches, I don't know if Spence, if, if Spence would be put down. Like, I, I, you know, because it, Crawford is so precise, and he has very underrated power. Uh, he's also, though, a bit more judicious with his punches. As you said, the volume advantage goes to Errol Spence Jr. He tends to be more of a sniper than a machine gun. Do you think that's the right style to go at uh, Errol Spence Jr. with if you're Terrence Crawford? Ah, it's, you know, th- this is why this fight is so great. You know, we don't really know. You know, we're not sure. Like, you would think maybe. You know, we think how, how is a guy that's bigger than Crawford, more active, throws more? Like, is he going to drown out Crawford also? Oh, will Crawford start p- 
hot-shotting Spence and put him down because he's so good, he's so accurate. So I think that's what makes this fight so great is because we don't really know. You would think usually the, the good big guy beats the very good little guy. You know, in, in very rare occasions, a special little guy beats a good big guy. We've seen it with Manny. Manny was special. Crawford, he's special. But we're going to see how special he is uh, when he goes and he faces against Errol Spence if that fight does happen. Before I let you go, I give you a crisp new $100 bill. Do you bet this fight does happen before the end of the year or does not happen before the end of the year? Of course, we're talking about Spence Jr. versus Crawford. Does it happen by the end of the year? Where, where do you bet that $100? I I, I think it does. I think it does happen um, by the end of the year. Uh, the momentum just behind the fight now, Terrence Crawford is a promotional free agent. He doesn't have any other promotional companies, you know, binding him away uh, from the fight. So I think if there's any moment for that fight to happen, I think it's now. And I, I think it's the right time and the right conditions uh, for Crawford to be able to go ahead and enter the fight. So, yeah, I, w- I would place a bet that, yeah, we get that fight this year. Awesome talking to you every time. Marcos Villegas, Fight Hub TV. Got to catch up post-fight and get your opinions about also if this Crawford thing works out, I'm going to need a lot of boxing knowledge. Please fill me in, buddy. Oh, for sure I will, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Jimmy. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.